What's up, everybody? This is Left for Dread episode 11, the solo episode. So, Chris had some things he had to take care of, so it is just me on this episode for tonight, which is fine. <laughs> um, so, basically, Chris and I were going to talk about our two anthology movies that we were going to do, and it was going to be. Creepshow and XX. Creepshow, uh, as some of you may or may not know, is an anthology, a dark comedy anthology from 1982 with Ed Harris, Stephen King, George A. Romero. And this also happened to be Stephen King's screenwriting debut. So, and of course, Ted Danson, uh, Leslie Nielsen was in one of the shorts. And I think we just wanted to do something different with this episode, which is why we had initially picked anthologies. So I'm just going to talk a little bit about it, and this will be a shorter episode this week. So to start with Creepshow, like I said, it came out in 1982. It was directed by George A. Romero and written by Stephen King. So like I said, this was his screenwriting debut, and he also stars in it in probably one of the weirder stories that comes uh, with the show. Uh, I, I think that of all the little shorts that you see, um, I, I definitely loved Father's Day, which was the very first one with Ed Harris. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, something to tide you over, which starred Ted Danson and Leslie Nielsen. It was actually kind of nice to see Leslie Nielsen um, not be so comedic and watch him be the sort of sick, twisted individual. So that was kind of refreshing uh, and nice to watch. I thought the crate was... Uh, a little slow moving at times, but it was, nonetheless, it was pretty good. Um, I, they're creeping up on you, I think was probably my least favorite and also the grossest. Uh, I'm not a fan of cockroaches too much, so seeing that really gave me the, uh, the, the big heebie-jeebies. Then there was, and I'm saving the best for last on purpose, one of the shorts was The Lonesome Death of Jordy Verrill, and that was Stephen King, uh, who played Jordy Verrill. So when you start Creepshow, it starts with a boy who gets hit and yelled at by his father for reading the horror comic Creepshow. And he the father comments about how he had to be hard on his son because he was quote unquote reading crap while Billy is sitting upstairs hoping that his dad goes to hell which you know at that age if your parents did that to you I, I don't blame you for having that kind of a reaction and while he's doing all of this he sees this apparition that comes to his window that looks like the creep on the cover of the creep show on the cover of the creep show comic that his father had previously thrown out so i thought that was a really nice touch and from there it opens the comic and goes into father's day which is the first story of the anthology 
now Father's Day is a story with Ed Harris, a very young-looking Ed Harris, um, and it talks about the tradition of Father's Day that two sisters do, and it's uh, Ed Harris' sort of introduction to the family and an introduction to this particular tradition. So these two sisters are talking about why they celebrate Father's Day this way and why they're... Um, long-suffering and spinster sister is the way she is on Father's Day. She, when they were much younger, got tired of her father's incessant demands and emotional abuse and killed him. So every year to mark the occasion, they have a nice big fancy dinner and they wait for her to get there after she spends time at her father's grave screaming and yelling at it. Um, this year, however, Dad decides to come back from the dead, man, back with his incessant demands, demanding cake of this long-suffering daughter of his that killed him. And eventually he starts killing people off one by one until he gets to his last daughter and says, I have, uh, I have to blow out my candles. Um... And I, and when he comes out with the cake, which I believe is her head at this point, it sort of freeze frames and it becomes the comic once again that Billy was reading from the prologue. From there, it goes into the lonesome death of Jory Verrill. Jory Verrill is a short story, uh, is... This particular um, short is based on the short story, Weeds. Uh, and Jordy Verrill is played by a very young Stephen King, um, who thinks that the meteorite that, that he found in his backyard will pay off his, will provide enough money to pay off his bank loan. So the meteorite having just come out of the sky is apparently too hot to touch. And he decides to douse it with water, which makes the meteorite crack open and spew this substance at him. And it comes into contact with him. And because of that, uh, green weeds and green grass start to grow everywhere that this liquid has touched or that Jordy has touched. So you first start to notice it when he keeps licking his fingers and his fingers start to get the growth on it and then he realizes his tongue gets the growth on it and he it just rapidly just starts growing all over his body he looks like the swamp thing had a baby with cousin it it's like the most bizarre thing in the world so the more Jordy walks around the house and touches everything the more the weeds grow and he starts to get really itchy um he wants to go into the bath to sort of relieve himself of all of this and he hears the voice of his father like no that's exactly what it needs don't do that dummy and he hesitates for a brief second and then he just completely succumbs to temptation and gets in the bath and then collapses by the next morning <laughs> uh, everything is covered in these weeds <laughs> And 
he can't take it anymore even though it's been 24 hours and he reaches for his shotgun and blows his own head off to end the torment the way it ends is it pans out from this farm that is now covered in these weeds with a radio broadcast saying that they should expect torrential downpours which means that these weeds are going to spread because that's what they wanted they wanted water so it's a nice little Stephen King ending to all of this, which I really enjoyed. Going into the next story, which is something to tide you over, which, again, one of my favorites, Leslie Nielsen, Ted Danson. Leslie Nielsen plays a extraordinarily wealthy, wealthy and twisted psychopath who finds out that his wife is cheating on him. So he takes the guy that she's having an affair with down to the beach under this guise of uh, you're not going to kill me because you should save her first and he makes him dig a hole in the beach up to his neck and he leaves him there overnight on the sand after he gets in this hole up to his neck Leslie Nielsen makes him watch a videotape of his now ex-wife's same demise he goes Leslie Nielsen comes back the next day down to the beach and sees that there's nothing left but the bucket that he had sort of left within no reach whatsoever to try and attempt to dig himself out this is to Danson um, and Leslie Nielsen says oh he's not there but he got carried out to sea so everything's fine Goes back to his house, gets in the shower, do whatever. And lo and behold, Ted Danson and the now ex-wife are returning back to the house, back from the dead, to kill him as revenge for leaving him there. And how do they kill him? They bury him up to his neck in the sand. And he's laughing maniacally at the end of this, and it turns back into this comic. So... I've noticed that what that throughout creep show and its entirety that with every ending of the short it turns into another panel of the comic which I thought was really really awesome and a really nice touch um, I don't expect anything less from things like that that come out of the 80s I think that things like that are are uh, nice little touches and from something to tide you over we have the crate which is also based on a short story with the same title um, a college janitor finds a crate from an Arctic expedition from 1834 hidden under a staircase. Um, and he notifies a professor that he finds this. And the two of them together decide that they should open the crate. Which, that's a terrible idea. You find something from 1834, you should probably just leave it where it is. And when they open it, they find this like fanged mutant ape-like creature that's in there and it completely devours the janitor and the college professor manages to escape and runs into a graduate student who is sort of skeptical of the whole situation decides to go down and see what's going on by the time the student gets down there the crate has been like moved back and then the creature kills him the college professor, as we find out, um, 
is completely traumatized by this, uh, goes to a party of some kind with his neighbors and his wife, who is always drunk and incredibly emotionally abusive. And he and daydreams of, of killing her. I'm assuming all the time, but we just get to witness the one. Um, and when he does it in this daydream, everyone applauds him. And he just has this wonderful moment of, oh my god, I did something right. I finally like accomplished this thing. Which I think is also really, really sad. So he concocts this idea in his head that like, all right, I'm going to do this. And he takes her to go see this crate. The creature does indeed maul the absolute shit out of her and kills her and eats her. After he gets the creature to kill his wife, he puts it back, locks it, and then drops it into a nearby lake. So it's like, thank you, you did my bidding. No, bye. What you wait till the end to be revealed is that this college professor just uh, took an empty crate and dumped it into the bottom of the lake as the creature has escaped and is now just free, roaming wild. The final short that they come upon in Creepshow is they're creeping up on you. Now, this was my least favorite, mostly to do with the cockroaches because I, those, like I said, get me the heebie-jeebies. Um, but again, what kind of horror movie anthology can you have without having some sort of creepy crawly thing involved? So I understand it. Um, it's just not my favorite. So there is a wealthy, ruthless businessman with mysophobia that lives in a hermetically sealed apartment controlled with all the all kinds of surveillance that you can possibly think of. So this takes place in an all-white hermetically sealed apartment during a particularly bad lightning storm and there ends up being this rolling blackout that starts blacking out parts of the city which means all this technology that this man so heavily relies on is going to fail and he thinks he's exempt he thinks he's above everything which sort of plays into his reaction and the way he deals with all of it so once the power goes out he really starts to freak out and he finds himself to be completely helpless in all of this and in the midst of all of this cockroaches start appearing out of nowhere in this man's apartment and it only gets worse and worse and worse from there so he decides that he's going to lock himself in a panic room but that doesn't work because the cockroaches are literally wave after wave just infesting this entire place and he ends up being swarmed by all of these roaches and doesn't die from anything that the roaches do. He dies from a heart attack from the shock of having all of this happening. And as the electricity returns to the building after like the power comes back on and the storm passes over, you see his dead body in a panic room, but with no roaches. The ro there were mm, no signs of them and you start to wonder and then all of a sudden his body begins to like convulse and contort and roaches burst out of his mouth out of every orifice and just completely engulf the panic room and that's how it ends and it ends with uh 
the entirety of the anthology and with two uh, garbage collectors finding the comic in the trash from the very, very beginning. And yeah, I, it was so 80s. This whole thing was just so 80s and it was so great. And I highly recommend seeing Creepshow. It's a great movie. Well, great anthology to just put on and sit and watch whether you're sitting and watching it in full or you're doing something else i i just think that it's a great little anthology for you to have in your back pocket there's also a creep show too which we did not watch for this episode but keep your ears out for that because we will be doing a future episode on that one that hopefully chris will be a part of so quickly moving on from creep show to xx which is from 2017, and this is another anthology film. Now, instead of doing two creep shows back to back, I decided I wanted to do anthology movies extraordinarily far apart from each other in time because I wanted to see if there were any similarities and sort of the evolution of how horror has progressed in terms of anthology films like that. So, watching Creep Show, you watch the. I feel like there were a lot of um, classic horror tropes from horror movies of the 80s that you saw in Creepshow, and I think that that was really great. But I wanted to see how XX held up as a representation of horror in the 2010s and in the 2000s. And I think it did a decent job, actually. Um, XX's uh, anthology movie is an anthology film with four all-female directors, so that was also super important. Uh, there are more women in horror now, and I thought that that should be reflected which is another reason why i picked xx as an anthology film to compare creep show to uh there are four stories in this one. Oh no there are five oh no there are four stories in this one there's a short story there's a short one called the box the birthday party don't fall and her only living son and then if you go to a Wikipedia page about this, they count the filming sequence as part of this. Um, but I'm going to address the framing sequence uh, separately. The framing sequence itself was super creepy, but like in a very delightful way. It was this stop motion animated uh, segment that was just unnerving but beautiful to watch there's a walking doll house with a blinking doll face on it a doll hand that is completely separate from everything but um living and moves around it it scurries around the doll house and it like collects things and there are a whole bunch of other items that you see in this framing sequence that sort of come to life in that uh creepy choppy um stop motion style that I have seen used in film before, horror especially, but I hadn't seen it in a while. And it was really refreshing. It was really nice. And, and, and the way it was done was just also very like macabre and, and well done. So I, I, I was very pleased with that alone. So watching the framing sequence, I said, all right, I have high hopes for that. And yeah, I know that sounds silly, but you really should just watch even just that. If you have no, even if you have no interest in watching XX, which you should still watch, watch the framing sequence for this. There's just something so wonderful about the way it was done. So from this, 
you go to this short called The Box, which is based on a short story by Jack Ketchum. And there is a young, there's a family riding on a train and a young boy who gets very nosy asks if he could, he sees an old man with a box and he asks if he could uh, see what's inside the box. And Danny doesn't say what he saw in there, uh, but very shortly after that, he just refuses to eat anything. He says he's not hungry. And it gets to a point where his parents take him to the doctor and he just keeps losing weight. He just won't eat. But there's nothing physically or mentally wrong with him. There's nothing wrong with this boy. But he's just not eating anything and no one understands why. So he eventually, we eventually, uh, we see the little boy talking to his sister. And they're just chatting the way kids do. And he whispers something in her ear about the box and about why he's refusing to eat. And then all of a sudden she steps, she starts refusing to eat as well. So now the parents are really worried. Both of their kids are just not eating, but there's nothing medically wrong with them. The father then intervenes and wants to know, is everything okay? Like what's going on? Like you can tell me, why aren't you eating? Danny does the same thing. Talks with dad and all of a sudden dad's not eating. Mom is now the only one that's eating at this table. And there's a really creepy scene that's a dream had by the mother where she wakes up on the dining room table and her entire family is eating, but they're eating part of her leg. Like they're eating her and she just like has this jovial, content smile on her face. And then she wakes up realizing it was just a dream. By the time Christmas comes around again, everyone's completely emaciated. Um, but no one seems to be minding any of it. No one seems to say anything. At Christmas, Danny gives his mom the same red box that he saw with the man on the train. And she looks at it and then starts to remember the incident. She doesn't open the box, but she said, but she demands of her son, like, what was in the box? What was in the box when you saw it all those years ago? And he says nothing. Very shortly after that, the mother loses all three members of her family to starvation and they die in order that they stopped eating. And so Danny, the brother and the husband. And you, the move, the short ends with her scouring the trains for this man with the box because she feels like it's the only way to be closer to her family at this point. She like has to know. That's the end of the first one. Let me get to the birthday party. Now, I liked this one. I thought it... I mean, I liked all of the ones from XX, but I thought that this one was just, like, particularly odd and quirky and fun. Uh, it's a mom that's attempting to have a birthday party for her daughter. And she finds her husband dead in his home office and doesn't, for whatever reason, like, doesn't choose to call the cops because she obviously didn't kill him, like... He's just, he's dead in the home office, probably drank himself to death or drank himself with pills or something like that. And had she just called the cops, it could have been over with, but instead she decides to hide the body. And how does she choose to hide the body? She decides to hide the body in a giant panda suit from a guy that comes to the door to sing her daughter a happy birthday song. 
So the wife puts her puts her dead husband inside of this panda suit and props him up on a chair and like leaves him in there when everyone starts to come in for the birthday party. And it's all fun and games and whatever and she is just sitting staring deadpan at this panda just hoping that everybody makes it through the birthday party until she would do what I, I don't know. But during the birthday party, one of the moms attempts to lift the panda and well that's it the head pops off he flops over realizes it's dead and everyone starts screaming and that's the way it ends my kind of birthday party i'm just kidding then there's don't fall don't fall was particularly uh quick it felt a lot shorter than the others but it felt like short and to the point and it didn't feel like it dragged uh, whereas the box did drag a little, just a little bit, everything else seemed to be like straight to the point. I think if anything, the box, uh, dragged its feet a little bit, but it was, it was still a, a decent film to watch. So Don't Fall is four friends that go out camping in the middle of this, uh, protected reservation. And, um, they find this cave with paintings depicting um like this menacing evil presence before they decide to camp for the night and one of the girls in the middle of the night gets attacked by something that was depicted in the cave painting and then she and then it ends up taking over her body and so she becomes kind of like a skinwalker because it's like wearing her skin but it's very obviously the creature so she's still like recognizable as herself but as a creature. And this creature goes to the campsite and kills everybody else. It ends with this creature climbing down uh, the side of a cliff, going after the last remainder of the friends to kill them. And you're just left with that image. And like I said, short to the point and really, really brilliantly done. And then lastly, we're getting to Her Only Living Son, which I really loved this one. Maybe it's because I'm partial to horror movies that are more supernatural, but that's besides the point. So this is a mom who has a extraordinarily rebellious son who is about to turn 18. And she goes to school to meet with the principal because the son has done has ripped fingernails out of this girl's hands and ugh, the that image and the school and the the girl's mother wants action take taken as does this this boy's mom but the school refuses to do anything about it and you think that that's really odd and there's something like not right about everything um, everyone thinks that he's such like this bright, charming boy and no one quite understands like why he's not going to be punished. Being completely unnerved by the fact that no one wants to punish her son, but that there's obviously something wrong with him. She starts digging around in his room and finds a box full of fingernails and toenails. <laughs> it's disgusting. But he has now started to... Uh, walk around the house growling and making all these noises and we only find out after the mailman basically uh, confirms this that her son is the spawn of Satan 
it's very like it, it sort of channels Rosemary's Baby, but not like a modern Rosemary's Baby, but it definitely channels Rosemary's Baby a little bit. And the son forces his mom to like bow to him once all of this happens, and she says. Look, you have a choice. You're my son. I love you. Like, you don't have to succumb to this. And he sort of gives in and they embrace and they hug. And while they're doing all of all of this, uh, you never really see him. But you see that he's obviously pissed that his only son is um, rejecting him. Satan, the father. And he, you just hear bones cracking. And as this figure just like encircles them and is making the lights flicker and you see bones cracking noses are bleeding and they just keep getting compressed together until they both die and they end up collapsed on the floor in a puddle of their own blood great movie to end on <laughs> so that's it for our two anthologies i know that there wasn't much discussion for this and my end-all be-all statement with all of this is go out and watch both of them. Uh, I think you're doing yourself a massive disservice if you've only seen one and not the other. I think that XX exists from the path that something like Creepshow has paved the way for it to get to. Um, because I don't think you can have one of these without the other. And horror is this wonderful thing that is constantly evolving, which is still why I love it so much. So definitely go check these two out and quickly before i leave i just want to add in the world of horror what's happening right now um the chilling adventures of sabrina the teenage witch just dropped their trailer it they definitely nailed the chilling part of this this is not your kids show with the talking cat from when we were growing up this is going to be creepy and done really well, and I'm super excited to see it. I will make sure that there is a link to the trailer in the show notes and on our Facebook page um, for everyone to check out. Additionally, American Horror Story, if we have any fans of that show, their season eight apocalypse just started, and I have to say I am incredibly impressed and looking forward to this. So I'm super excited about that. And lastly, our number one thing to fangirl and boy about Shudder. Shudder just dropped a movie on September 13th, which is today while I'm recording this, but when you guys are listening to this will be yesterday. Just dropped a Shudder exclusive film called Revenge. And if you're not watching it, you should be. So shout out to Shudder for that. And you've got a couple of things to catch up on for this week in horror our next episode we are doing something really fun that uh i know chris and i are really looking forward to i promise you he'll be here for this one and we're also gonna have another special someone on that episode so look out for that one um Thank you guys so much for listening to this. I know this was a short one. It's a solo show. It's just me today. I promise Chris will be on in the next one. And hopefully soon he'll be able to give you guys his input so that you guys can have a conversation with him about all this as well. 
Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and we will have a website coming soon. So as soon as we have all of that, uh, you guys will have like a hub to come check us out at. So thanks again for listening. Stay careful. <laughs> Ha, 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 ha.